1: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball
2: news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Thank you, Dave Slade, and thank you for listening to this Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, along with Matt Eddy and J.J. Cooper. Our podcasts and all of our Facebook Lives are all sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit the retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. What better time is it to go to Scottsdale, Arizona right now? Check out some spring training and go to Baseballism store in Scottsdale. Visit Baseballism.com or enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. Actually, you should do both. You should go to Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017, save 20% off your order, and sport some of the shirts that you've been seeing us sport or the hats that you've seen us on uh, on our Facebook Lives, guys. You, you know, John, I think I'll take you up on that. I think I will go to Scottsdale and uh That's and cool. that cool. I think we're both jealous of you for that. So um, so we're really here to talk about the, the anticipation of the Major League season, uh, taking a break from our World Baseball Classic fever. The fever's broken a bit because the Asian series are all done. But it uh, started play in Miami yesterday and in Jalisco, Mexico, Matt. Did you watch Jalisco at all? Jalisco's ballpark is flame emoji. I <laughs> yeah. love that ballpark on TV. Anyway, it I was.
1: Did. I did not. You outed me.
2: It looks awesome. You <laughs> don't have the fever. Is that what you're saying? Well, I watch the U.S. games. There you go. That works. You got to watch is, the DR games. I was going to yeah, say the, the DR. DR yeah. Like you got the, the the magic of the plantain is a, uh, is, is, a, <laughs> is a is a really awesome. It is hard to get up. It's hard to get up for uh, for some of the Dominican pitchers. I will say that, like Fernando Abad. Fernando Rondi. It's awesome. So um, now that, that, That's not what I'm looking for, but the, that's one of the beauties of the Classic. But we're not here to talk about the Classic. We're really here to talk about Tim Tebow and our anticipation of the Major League season for 2017. <laughs> so that's the thing that kills me about the Classic. Really? Spring training is so sacrosanct that it can't be broken up? For the World Baseball Stinking Classic, we got to give Tim Tebow a bats, so you could not break up the sanctity of the sp- of spring training. That's why spring this, training. That's why this, the arguments against the classic kill me. It kill me, Jerry.
1: A strong contender for rant of the day.
2: Well, we've got a long podcast to yeah, go. Yeah, so this
1: is, I consider that like a, at least that's no better than a fifty
0: grade rant.
2: Oh me. no, that was no, that was plus. You guys didn't see that one coming. That was plus. That was a plus rant if I could it grade it on buried, my own curve, but. There but we, we, we just put our Major League Preview issue to bed. We've got some interesting stuff in the Major League Preview. As always, our top 20 rookies. We have a kind of an in-depth story on the second baseman and the change in the profile at second base and how that's evolved. Uh, second base was, again, uh, ridiculous last season. Uh, two batting champions, uh, our top prospect, uh, our minor league uh, player of the year, highest ranked second baseman of all time. You can read all that And the next issue of Baseball America. But we also have our predictions, guys. We want to dive into the Baseball America crystal ball Matt, which category did you want to start off with? Because, I mean, I'm, I, you, I, mean I think we have, we have a lot of ways to go with this. I guess one of the things that always, when you do a preview, you're always kind of looking at bounce back um, as one of the categories that's always in a preview issue. We have bounce back player, bounce back team candidates. Uh, let's start with bounce back player. Bounce back player is kind of fun because, uh, for me, I, it's, a, it's a different definition for every person. Like, is it a guy who had a decent year? But you expect to be a superstar like a Justin Upton? Wound up having a decent year last year by the numbers. He had a strong finish for Detroit. He's certainly a bounce back candidate. Then there's other bounce backs for other people. Are just a guy who was hurt and missed the whole year. If he bounces back, there's it's, there's no defined uh, bounce back or comeback player of the win yeah, of the yeah. year. Who, who's your bounce back candidate in our in our uh, crystal ball in 2017?
1: Uh, I went with Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates. I think getting compelling out of, getting out of center field and getting that playing shallow I think got in his head last year. I think him without the defensive demands and without the uh the mandate to play more shallow, I think will will help him this year.
2: You know, for me, JJ, he's also an interesting candidate because he's in the, he is playing in the classic, and there's people who think that's a bad thing. Um I think it will be a good thing for him because I don't know how many players have a bigger chip on their shoulder. Than, than Andrew McCutcheon coming into the season where you're the talk the whole offseason about whether they're going to trade you or not. Yep. Then you could change positions. He's gone from face of the franchise of the Pirates to some people seem to think last year he was the problem with the franchise.
0: And the funny thing about it is that we're talking about all this and he could bounce back, but also he would be a good candidate for a guy most likely to be traded because yeah. Austin Meadows is not far away. Austin Meadows is one of the best prospects in all of baseball, and... You could see like Austin Meadows replacing Andrew McCutcheon where you could make the argument that that could allow the Pirates to trade McCutcheon
2: and not miss a beat. You could have made the argument that their best way to contend this year could have been trading McCutcheon for other pieces to help the rest of their roster and inserting uh, Meadows in left or in right and and moving forward. That that could have been the argument. Um, I don't remember reading specific trade uh, you know uh, what, what a trade for McCutcheon would have looked like last year. But they would have been selling low on Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. And that, for me, that's why it made sense for them not to trade him. He's got to be better than what he was last year, doesn't he? Or do you think, yes. or do you think those days are past him, JJ? Is there a dead cat bounce in his future? I, I don't think he's to the dead cat bounce stage yet. I,
0: I do think that it's something where it, it comes back to what do you expect out of him? He's not going to be an MVP-type player again but he can still be a very productive player he had a bad year last year that doesn't mean his career's over I just don't think that he's ever going to be again what he was when he was 26 27. that's fine
2: it wasn't a horrible year but the the defensive metrics killed him yeah man he wasn't for sure
1: yeah who uh, who was your pick JJ for uh,
2: bounce-back I, I said player. I
0: said Bryce Harper and I said with the understanding it wasn't that Bryce Harper was horrible last year like to me like when we talk bounce back candidates Jason Hayward is the that was my answer epitome of bounce back candidate in that you could not be worse offensively than Jason Hayward was last year.
2: That's the thing is, like, even though he was obvious, I think he, somebody had to write Jason Hayward. I wanted to make sure we wrote him in the he, magazine.
0: And he, spring training so far has been encouraging. It's spring training, but he doesn't look like he's hitting with a rolled-up newspaper right now, which is an improvement over what he looked like at the end of last
2: season. I'm trying to think of <laughs> other free agents who flopped that badly in the history of baseball, and I, I might pose it to Twitter and see if any of our followers help me out with this. Free agent flops. Because a guy who flopped that horribly and at the same time won the World Series, I can't think of anybody underperforming with a contract like that. Bobby Bonilla? Not close, I no, don't think. No. Not close. But oh. that, you know, plus, I mean, still getting paid. You want to go? I mean, he's, <laughs> I'll he, show you the year He
0: goes every year on June 1st. Denny Nagel? <laughs> I mean, like uh, the the Rockies pitchers in like uh, like yeah, two thousand one. I think. It was. I mean,
1: a position player to me would right, be pitches, the perfect the perfect parallel for this. If yeah. you could find right, somebody, right? Pitchers is
0: easier to see a guy just falling apart. You get hurt. You know, there's different things, but like, but I when I think of a guy, guys having because the thing with Hayward obviously is this, they are tied to Hayward for many years to come. This is oh, but he, can, more but he yeah. can opt out
2: though. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best laughs ever I mean that's really but, no, uh, but I think with Bryce
0: Harper is, is I just think that Bryce Harper wasn't healthy last year for the majority of the season um, we'll find out it, the reality is, is I think that this is a very important season for Bryce Harper that way right. in that we have seen one season so far right. where Bryce Harper was everything that we expect Bryce Harper to be
2: and before that it wasn't a it wasn't like steadily steep it was a little up and down but it still was generally an right. ascent toward that point he took a big leap but then he kind of fell back to old Bryce Harper days last year I know there were a lot of injuries it was a it was an oblique strain that kind of uh, it was a muscle injury that really dogged him all year I believe it was in his shoulder actually but, but so what I kind of
0: expect with that is is that a healthier Bryce Harper who's always going to have some injury problems he plays in a way that is going to cause some injury issues right. And he's a, you know, he, that, that's just part of the Bryce Harper experience. But I do think that you could see much more the Bryce Harper, which, let's be honest, we're getting to the point now, he needs to have a, you know, from a, if he's going to sign the $400-plus deal down the road, right. he needs to have another Bryce Harper as the greatest player in the National League. For I what think. it's
2: worth, Denny Nagels, uh, this is just ERA plus um, baseballreference.com, so for what it's worth, 1999, Denny Nagel had a uh, 109 ERA. Plus. 2000, Denny Nagel, 106 ERA. Plus. Those are okay, the sorry. years that he had going into free agency. His first year with the Rockies, 99 ERA. Plus. Okay, so His second full year, 91. But the ERAs were 538 and 526. So <laughs> maybe in a less sophisticated yes. age, a less elegant age, as Obi-Wan would say. If he but, were on baseball tonight, he, but, would, he would criticize him less stringently.
1: Just to highlight a few other guys yeah. Ju- Justin Upton, I think that's a good pick. Because he was
2: really good for like a month and a half, but for the yes. other four months he was awful.
1: Mike Mustakas, though, it's injury related why he wasn't effective last year.
2: Mustakas and Matt Harvey were two injury related yeah. choices that our staff made. Who made those choices? Give those uh, credit. Where it's ben due. Ben
1: Badler? Had Mike Mustakas, uh, Josh Norris had Harvey.
2: Those are two interesting injury related ones. Because to me, Matt Harvey like a little bit more attention in New York than in Kansas City. We'll all notice if Mustakas struggles in Kansas City, but there are other factors going on with the, with the Royals. But Matt Harvey, when you put yourself out there as the face of the franchise and you put yourself on the cover of Sports Illustrated with that kind of access he allowed and everything on your social media is sponsored, basically, you kind of bring some attention to yourself and then to flop as badly as he did. uh, Flopperman, as uh, Mark Dierowitz used to say about uh, Jesse Foppert. Matt Harvey was bad last year before he got hurt, so he's coming back off thoracic outlet syndrome. And he is also kind of like... Uh, Some of the other players we talked about earlier, McCutcheon and Harper, free agency is not that far away. Mm -hmm. If Matt Harvey wants to hit that giant jackpot, he better be good in 2017. It would also behoove the Mets if Matt Harvey were good. Although the thing about it is is that what stands
0: out for me is is that the, the Mets, again, we're talking about being pretty well positioned. If I can see a scenario where Matt Harvey's okay and they're like, yeah, we're fine. Like they he do doesn't the need to be bad. the number one guy.
2: Right? If, they, if they go Syndergaard, pretty good.
1: If they reach, yeah. If, if their other four starters reach their potential, he could be the fifth. <laughs> it would be fine.
2: Behind Gaselman? Behind Gasolman. set City. I don't think he's behind Gaselman. <laughs> we should rank Gaselman higher But uh, performance wise, that could have
1: been the, that could be the case.
2: Yeah, that, that he's an interesting watch. JJ, I mean, how important to the what the Royals do is Mike Moustakis this year. I mean, they're, again, they're a whole team of these guys with impending free agency. I mean, it's basically their whole roster. It,
0: it is. Uh,
2: I, I'll, I'll tangent. I'll go on a tangent after we talk about Moustakis
0: on this. I'll allow M- Which counselor. is, no, if if Moustakis, I mean, he comes into the season, they need him. They need all these guys to be in the first half of the season. Not just overall. They need all these guys. If these guys want to be playing together in August, they need to come out and all play well. Yeah. And I, and, and, with the tragedy of the, the death of Jordano Ventura, I mean, there, it's, it's fair to ask, is that still going to be enough? This bullpen is not going to be what we've thought of with Royals' bullpens. It's now Kelvin... It was the three-headed monster, right. or the four-headed monster. It's now Kelvin Herrera. Right. And putting some guys around him, but that's not the
2: same thing in, by any way. It can still be good, but it isn't like it's the defining characteristic of the roster. Right.
1: They weren't very good last year as a bullpen.
2: No.
0: And, and which is an understandable. I think they were good, but then Joaquin Soria was awful. Joaquin Soria is awful, and Wade Davis showed some wear and tear. That's understandable after yeah. being a robotic after you pitching know,
1: seven months for two years in yes, a row.
0: Yeah, they, you know, that's the one advantage they have is, is they're a little more rested this year. They got year. a break. That's right. They got a break. <laughs> but the interesting thing with that when we talk about impending free agency, okay, Mustakis has a very high variable on what he's going to be in free agency because. It's been, at his best, he's been really good. And then there's been a lot of stretches where he's not been so good. But then you go across the diamond, you go to Eric Hosmer. And, you know, Eric Hosmer is going to be in the middle of the lineup, uh, it looks like, again, you know.
2: He's in the middle of the USA lineup. For Team USA. Which doesn't
0: probably need to be. Right. Which, but at the same time, as much as the highlights of Eric Cosmer, which seem to be playoff-related, Eric Hosmer has... Ooh, ha- Is he like a guy who breaks the bank in free agency, as a first baseman who hasn't really hit that much?
1: We ask the same questions
2: of Hayward. Yeah, he's kind of a similar guy, except for the fact that you know he's uh, he came into it with a World Series championship. (laughs) You know, Hayward did not. For me, the thing is, there's so much money in the game; it's everything is oriented toward players like Eric Hosmer getting giant paychecks. You're a He's not replacement level. Mm-hmm. He's better than that. He's not, I don't know that he's in the middle. Maybe he is in the middle. But he's better than replacement level. He's going to get paid. And he's also, his value does not come from power alone. Mm-hmm. He is theoretically a more well rounded player, a base runner, athlete, defender. And so, I don't
0: want to see, like, I mean, it will be interesting to see, like, if he does leave, he also is a guy who may get a boost by going somewhere that. That's yeah. not as yes. you
1: know pitcher friendly as as a, a park that would the park that favors left handed power would be huge for him.
2: So I think I think this sets up the Royals as a bounce back candidate as a team. Guys, are, are they you know? I think they could have a bounce back season. I think it's a lot harder without your Ventura than than it was before that. Um, but they do have an ace and Danny Duffy who mm-hmm. really was fantastic last year in the second half. Um, I don't know that you know. I'm not, I'm not sure how confident I am in the rest of the Royals pitching staff. Matt, were they any of our team? I don't think there were anybody anybody's they, picks for bounce back. They team, received
1: zero votes. What but, a shock! But we could I, talk. I'm not
2: shocked by some of these.
1: This is we talk about biggest surprise team of 2017. John, where did you go with this one?
2: I went Twins. Um, part of it is my latent Twins fandom of just having done their prospect list for so long. I would like to see Byron Buxton and Jose Barrios and. Uh, Max Kepler and these guys do well. Miguel Sano. Not
1: Sano, okay.
2: I'd like to see that. No, I'd like to see that team do well. A full year of a healthy Sano not trying to play third base or right field would be outstanding. So uh, Eddie Rosario, I want to see those guys do well. But part of it is just that I thought that the 83 wins in 2015 were fluky. I really thought the 59 wins last year, they earned it, but I don't think they're that bad either. So to me, they're just a natural bounce-back candidate to regress... To the mean of those two years, which would be around 70 to 75 wins, I guess the mean would be around 70. But I think their, their ta- young talent getting better would be a little bit of improvement. So I'm looking for them to win between 75 and 80 games. I'm not looking for them as a playoff team, but I am looking for them to bounce back significantly from last In year. In terms of run
1: prevention, which pitchers do you expect to key this resurgence to 70 wins
2: well barrios has to be part of it um i would hope hector santiago is part of that uh i hope that just getting rid of ricky nolasco who was a disaster in minnesota is part of that i'm um, hoping trevor bay trevor may uh i guess he's just I D- i don't know is he still dj beef does he still have that alter ego hey beef, hey DJ, beef, hey beef. dj hey beef dj Hay beef uh, yeah i think trevor may is part of that but i think really to me barrios is part of that and getting something out of Kyle uh, – I, I was about to call him Kyle Glazer. Kyle Gibson. Something out of Kyle Gibson. There has to be one year where Kyle Gibson is a league average pitcher. Um, I just think he's too good to be and, this bad all the time. So those are those are my answers. Okay. And but that's not a convincing answer. And
1: to top 100 prospects, Steven Gonzalez as well, in the second I, half. Maybe. I, would,
2: I would like for them – I do think that if they can piece it together in the rotation, they have a lot of homegrown arms that can help their bullpen, whether it's Jake Reed or if Nick Birdie's ever healthy or Tyler J., I do think that's what they've drafted for so long. It'd be mm-hmm. nice. If they were ever in it, I think some of those, some of those uh, young bullpen arms could really help. JJ,
1: biggest surprise.
0: I, I mean, I do think the Twins, like, I, I like that, John, from the standpoint of that they are... They were just so bad last year. They can't be that, that bad. They can't
1: be that bad.
2: There's now, the too much talent there for them to be that bad.
0: The frightening thing is is they were so bad... That they could be significantly better and still be really bad. That's what I'm saying. They, they could win they fifteen
2: have... more games and be seventy four and eighty eight. And that is awful for most teams. But it's a lot better than it's a lot better than going fifty nine and one oh three. I
0: know that me and you disagree on this. I think the Pirates have I don't think Pirates. the Pirates are gonna fall apart. Like last year was a big step back for them. At the first really poor season they've had. But
2: they and, lost they won they won nineteen fewer games. Right. From ninety-eight to seventy nine. Right. That's bad. It's bad, Jerry.
0: I think I think that they actually still could contend for a wild card spot this year. I think that last year what happened with them is is their pitching staff was completely unsettled. Um, maybe maybe they won't. Maybe maybe Jim Benedict was that important and mm. then you know, him going to the Marlins. But I, I look at them and say they worked in so many young pitchers last year. I expect some of those guys this year to be ready to actually just take, you know, take the job and and be solid. That's where who, I think their who, run who, prevention gets better.
1: Well, give, name names.
0: Okay. Well, Tyone, I think a full season. Tyone, I think that you're talking about. Um, I, I think Glasno gives them something this year at some point. I think it's still gonna be somewhat erratic. But I he's think a
2: volatile he's, player. He ranked pretty high in our top twenty rookies. We'll, we'll have a whole separate podcast for that. But he's pretty. We ranked him higher, way higher in the top twenty rookies. That we did in the top 100 prospects among pitchers. So we kind of the difference opportunity. A little bit there. But
0: opportunity is a big thing. And he there is opportunity there for him. Yeah. Yvonne Nova being there is, as crazy as that sounds, is, is, you know, I do think important. Garrett Cole should be better than. They need Garrett Cole to be Garrett, the, the A's. Right. You won an ace last year. I'll
2: tell you what kills me about the Pirates and why I'm not as optimistic is Chad Cole, Tyone, uh, Yvonne Nova. These are pitch to contact guys. Their defense does not look good. Josh Harrison is a fine second baseman, but it's not like he's some Gold Glover. Josh Bell's a brute. uh, He's a he's a he's he's trouble at first base. He's not going to help them. Shortstop Jordy Mercer's a solid shortstop, but they also don't play him all the time. Sometimes they're going to play Harrison there. Sometimes they're going to play Kang uh, Gong there. Sometimes they're going to play Frazier there. Third base Gong Freeze. But that tells
1: you a lot that they have so many revolving doors. Shortstop. It tells you the number one guy is not a great defender. That's what I'm
2: saying. So, and they don't have a number one guy who's locked in at any of those other spots. I don't think that's a great uh, combination. For me, that's a team that I would have liked to have seen them invest in one of those positions in a in a top shelf defender. They don't have that.
1: Trade Andrew McCutcheon for Zach Kozar. Problem solved. <laughs>
2: and, and and his orchestra. I hope straight up. <laughs> I hope that that's not what you're going for. But yeah, they. To me, they need an upgrade at all those positions defensively. So I don't like the mix. That's why I'm not on the the Pirates. If they're going to invest so much in the ground ball philosophy, match those up.
1: We'll get into the Pirates again and disappointing. But for surprise team, I pick the Braves. I think a full season of Dansby Swanson. I think Ozzie Albies will be up in May or June. I think teaming those guys, having that middle infield reliability and those two guys at the top of the order. And... Bartolo Colon, R.A. Right. Dickey in the rotation. I think Mike Foltynewicz is probably going to take another step forward.
2: They, they were a perfectly cromulent team in the second half last year. Exactly. They were, what five games under five hundred under Brian Snicker? Some
1: kind of cheating. If you took the second half Braves last year, they were respectable.
2: Yeah. I mean, what we'll, we'll does we'll make put this out there? I don't know if this ever made it into a podcast last year, but we we bedboarded over who was further along in their rebuilding uh, uh, their rebuilding plans, the Phillies or the Braves. I took the Phillies, and you took the Braves, and you were right. So No, I took the Phillies last year. Oh, you took the Phillies last yeah, year? Yeah, you were right. Oh, I'm the sorry. Phillies, I, I was giving you the credit. Through
1: 100 games, the Phillies were better. But then all the pitchers hit a wall or got, went on the disabled list, and that was the end of that.
2: Brian Snitker, uh, I, if I if you had known that Snit was in charge of the Braves, that, and, I, and and that was the obstacle for you was Freddie Gonzalez. I
1: underestimated...
2: Well, Matt Kemp, Danby Swanson. <laughs> well, the, the Braves did change their whole oh, team when they went out and got a couple of veteran guys and decided, wait a minute, let's stop giving AJ all these at bats. They did
0: that, but at the same time, and they also got a boost of like they energy for a team like that. Like the Phillies at the end of the year just looked gassed;
1: they, they were done, they were toast.
0: And whereas the it was Braves, a bad team in September,
2: it was awful, very very bad.
0: Whereas the Braves looked like a team that was not gassed, no. and credit does go, I think, to. You know front office Brian Snicker, for but they also most of the guys that were playing in September weren't playing for them in April, so they weren't gassed partly because it's like They're playing well this is new yep, <laughs>
2: right. and the guys who were their older guys who were the first half guys like the the eric ibar a j Presinsky combo up the middle that's a great team in two thousand nine, but in two thousand and sixteen that didn't quite work out um, so uh- yeah, go ahead. You know, nobody picked the Rockies, which I, was my second choice here. But they did come up a disappointing offseason, did they not? Well, those, those, those things. I, th- I think both I think things can top. be true, and that's the thing. I think that I think you're right about that. I think they they had, and I think we talked about this in their podcast, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, i J. <laughs> I've, got, I've got Seinfeld on the brain. Um, I guess I've been just hanging. Welcome out to too the much Baseball around, America i podcast. I on Kenny Rogers roosters, and it's freaking me out. Um, we did talk about, in the Rockies podcast, JJ, about how their offseason was so weird. Actually, one thing I forgot to do in the podcast, Twitter is a wonderful thing. Because I mentioned on Twitter, hey, who had such a bad first free agent season like Jason Hayward? And here are the responses. I got, like I have 28 responses nice. in my Twitter. And, uh, so, Sean Figgins, Melvin Upton, Bobby Bowe, BJ Upton, so that's Melvin. Another Sean Figgins vote. Adam Dunn, 2011, takes the cake for me. Carl Crawford is prominent. Carl in my mentions. I yeah. think Carl Crawford almost as bad as Jason Hayward. I don't think his I don't think his first BJ season Austin was as fits bad in there too. Um Mo Vaughn with the Mets, that was epically bad It wasn't a was, free agent deal, it was a trade. Oh, that was a trade. Mel, uh, with the Angels. Him with the Angels. Yes. He he also was one of those guys who like it was Jafet Amadorish in his uh it, compor- like, in his look. In his
1: first week with the Angels, he fell down the dugout steps. <laughs> um,
2: but a lot of votes for BJ Upton and Adam Dunn. Somebody uh Somebody voted for Ryan Howard, but that was like that wasn't he didn't leave, but that was Carlos awful.
1: Beltran with the Mets had a bad 2005, but then rebounded. But 2006
2: was a fantastic season for him. Um, but Carl Crawford and then Jason Bay, our old friend Matt Myers chimes in. So a lot of Mets fans chiming in here with first year Carlos Lee, kinda. I think his first year was actually okay with the Astros. First couple of years, Julio Lugo with the Red Sox that was a bad one. Josh Hamilton from our friend uh, Sungmin Kim just back from Korea, the World Baseball Classic. He votes Josh Hamilton in the Angels. That's one of the all-time bad ones. Mm-hmm. Milton Bradley with the Cubs, and then Pablo Sandoval got a lot of votes Josh, as well. Josh <laughs>
0: Hamilton's got to be pretty high up there because yes. they they basically were willing to trade him away for, in essence, nothing, just and pay the contract just to get him gone. Yeah, pretty That's, much. That
2: was Brock Osweiler to the
0: Browns this week, where they yes. talked about, they were really excited about the second round pick that you, we got. You can tell
2: Paul DiPodesta was paying yeah. attention. You, it has a
1: baseball you, reference,
2: too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
1: The, uh, the Rockies, I think the biggest surprise. I think for them, the wealth of homegrown or young talent they have coming up this year, I think it makes a big difference. Will they contend with the Giants and Dodgers? Probably not for six months, but maybe for three.
2: It's difficult to see them just because the Dodgers and Giants have so many different ways to win. Where you see that the Rockies kind of their path has to be okay. Story has to stay healthy the whole year. Cargo has to stay healthy the whole year and motivated. They have to mash and they need all these young pitchers to I know. continue it's, to navigate with with two
1: young catchers behind the plate. So, what it, you say you, you're saying, you're, to
2: you're not on the Tony Walters, Tom Murphy platoon bandwagon? That's like my favorite. They're good. I'm on that bandwagon. They're I good, would. but I, to, to play yes. into October, I don't think they're that good. Sage old veteran Chad Bettis is, like, and Tyler Chatwood are the, the two grizzled vets on that rotation and battery. I mean, like, really, that's what it is surprising. I also I'm, I am curious by some of the moves that the Rockies front office has made. The Desmond trades, I mean, the signing has been picked over. Yeah. Mike Dunn and Greg Holland. That's interesting, you know. They paid a lot of money, but I guess they have the money to spend again. The thing that the, – the 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 all these things come in threes. The weirdest move for me was trading Eddie Butler to the, to the Cubs when he still had an option left. That part I didn't get. I mean, I understand giving up on Eddie Butler. I'm not criticizing that. From their standpoint, they know the player. But it seems like they, they DFA'd him,
1: mm-hmm. and he
2: had an option left. That seems – Strange. That suggests
1: off the field stuff to me.
2: That's what it suggests to me as well. Uh, He is a reclamation. He's a bounce back candidate for me. If he turns into a guy with the Cubs like a poor man's Jake Arrieta, he's not going to be like a number one starter. But if he turns into a guy for the Cubs. In the next two years, makes a playoff start that won't surprise or me. Or a rich think. man's
1: Chris Volstad, another Cubs reclamation project. Well, let's hope he's better than that. <laughs> <The Cubs laughs> fan. That's, that's, I think
2: he's better than Chris Volstad. I'm just
1: saying the Cubs made a lot of speculative plays, and Arietta right. and Hendricks really paid off. Right. But they also gambled on Butler and there Volstad, been a lot who
2: didn't turn and out. And the, but the thing about it is he could just be Trevor Cahill. But the the, th- the great part we'll about that is,
0: is that if he doesn't turn out, if you make ten of these moves, right, and one of them turns out, like they've had two turn out, then You've not just won. It's not even close. Because the downside of getting Eddie Butler and he's not any good is nothing. And the upside of him
2: being, even like you said, even if he became Trevor Cale, the upside there is, we didn't give much up. I mean, that's... And plus, right now, the Cubs get to say, he's my butler. So, keeping the theme alive. Some other... I I mean,
0: one I wanted to bring up was, because I think, I know I think of where you are on this, John, because... We know a lot of it is what yes, we're thinking we because we have these things. We talk about these things in the office all the time. It's a great thing about working at Baseball America when our job is is hey, let's talk about this. Today. Yeah, exactly. But the Mariners made a lot of moves. The Mariners have had the Mariners always. Jerry Depoto makes a lot. But of nobody moves.
2: made more moves than the Mariners. The Mariners maybe have, ever. <laughs> yeah.
0: The Mariners have made a lot of moves, and you look at it in the uh, in a very competitive AL West, where you have. I, I do feel like when you talk about the regression candidate. Obviously, everyone's talking about the Rangers as a regression candidate because right. they were so good in one-run games last year.
1: They beat their Pythag by a ton. By
0: a ton. Yeah. But you still have. I mean, you have to say the Rangers are there most every year.
2: Yes. The Astros... It's a culture now in Texas.
0: The Astros are should be a playoff contender at the least, if not more. I've got them in World Series myself. Like, there is... There's a, it's a very competitive... And the Angels... If, every, if everyone stays healthy, which yeah. never happens with the but NBA. it's a
2: competitive division.
0: But if everyone stays healthy, they are a, a team that could frighten you. Because, for one, they have the best player in baseball. They have a 10-win player and, and, you know, and his orchestra. And, and if they're pitching, again, if everyone stays healthy, which it won't. But if everyone does, they could be okay. Where do you think, I mean, where are the Mariners? I mean, this is a team that has contended to at least stay in the periphery of a playoff hunt. Not that long ago. I uh,
2: I agree with Jerry DePoto his motivation, in that, A, their old organization needed to shake up. Mm-hmm. B, you have one of the highest-paid players in baseball, and he's not getting younger in Robinson Cano. You have to strike while Cano's still at his peak, and while Nelson Cruz is still taking whatever magic beans he's taking. And I don't mean that in any PED sense. The guy's just defying time. He's just so good. Um, he got a late start to his career, and, mm-hmm. I mean, that guy... That guy's really amazing. I mean, how good he's been so late in his career. But for me, they kind of just spun their wheels a little bit. Some of the later trades have been trades for the sake of trades. I don't know if the Mariners have won every trade. You know, I like Seth Smith. I, I mean, I understand why they traded for Giovanni Gallardo. They needed pitching depth. But Seth Smith's better than what they're going to trot out on the corners for me. Uh, he was a pretty productive player for them in a offensive. especially as a platoon. Right. Yeah. Um, and they are the American League, and they can... DH him and Cruz a little bit. I know they're going to be bad defensively they do that. They're all in on the outfield defense. Where right. have I seen that before? Oh, wait, it was in Seattle in the late, not in late part of last decade. Jack Zarensic tried that there. I, I, I just thought some of their moves were kind of got to the point of moves for the sake of moves. I'm not on their first baseball tune of Valencia and Vogelbach. Those guys are DHs too. Um, so, you know, if you're going to trade for Gerard Dyson, you're going to make him an everyday player, play him in center field, not left field. So, I, I understand why they made a lot of deals. I'm not sure they're better for it. I didn't like the trade they made with the Diamondbacks giving up uh, uh, well, Taiwan uh, Walker. Walker for John, Gene Segura. I thought they bought very high on Gene Segura. I, I like Taiwan Walker. And Mitch Hanager, perhaps. Up. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm not, I, I didn't love that deal for them either. So, we'll see. I could, I could be wrong, but I thought huh. that in total, they kind of spun their wheels. I still think they're the, I still think they're the third best team in that division. Um, I do not think the the deal they made put them over the top.
1: I love it. I I, I I think you have to concentrate all your wins on this year and next year because you have Cano and Cruz and, and Felix Hernandez. You know, Felix is a. You have a huge three part of three of it. the best players in the league if they if they play up to their potential. Uh, I think. And
0: three who by twenty, I mean three who by twenty eight, nineteen, twenty twenty. Two of those, I would say, Cano's still going to be very, but Cruz and Felix both could be
2: very
1: much on downsides. Yeah, you have a, a Felix
2: is on his downside. You have a, a bad, question?
1: you have a bad farm system, so you're not going to get any help there. Yes, uh, and, and plus, I just love the novelty of having somebody try this. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great when front offices execute different plans and different philosophies. So I, I'm glad somebody's trying this. I,
2: I think he what, had nothing. To, he didn't to, have much to lose
1: to try to exactly.
0: I, what I like that he did. This is something that happens when you have new front offices come in on yeah. um, bad farm systems. If you're existing, you kind of hold on to some of your prospects because they're proof of your what you've done. When you're a new front office, you come in and you say, we don't like this farm system. Right. They were, are willing to trade anyone and everyone almost for that farm system because they're like, we think that the guys we'll get back are better than the guys we're trading away. Right. Now, we will find out whether they're right or not, but when you even like, again, it's not a blockbuster deal in any stretch, but... Alex, but but Alex Jackson was a top ta- you know was the sixth pick in the draft not that many years ago. Right. And they looked at it and said, our evaluation is he's not very good. And could we get Max Posey
1: for him? Okay. <laughs> and in fact, he's he's not as good as Max Posey. <laughs> right. So we're
0: gonna do that. That is something that really is kind of for good or bad, it is the freeing influence of it being a new front office. Right. An existing front office never makes that move yeah. because it's admitting that they screwed up. Right. But a, a new front office does that. Again, it's a lot of moves you could say that these are, a lot of what they did are
1: peripheral, it's but... Like they, hit, they hit 12 singles instead of one or two home runs.
2: But... I don't think they had 12. <laughs> they had, like, 17 trades. I think some of them they struck out.
1: You think there's some strikeouts in there?
2: I mean, Mike Montgomery for Dan Vogelbach's a whiff. I mean, Mike Montgomery, in their projected rotation, would be their number two or three guy. For me, I mean, that guy's pretty good. He was just starting to blossom in Seattle. And that was a coup for the Cubs. And I, I mean, I just don't think... If you're going to trade Seth Smith because he's not good enough defensively, and then you're going to go acquire Dan Vogelbach and Danny Valencia as your two first basemen, those guys are brutal defensively. They're bad. They're going to be... And that's going to be a whole... At a position that handles the ball a lot, I think it's a bigger miss to be. So I, I think they've improved their outfield defense. Their infield defense, to me, is worse. I, I think it's a problem for them going forward. I, I, that that that's one that clued me into like, wait a minute, you're just making deals now to make deals. It seemed like so. I, I've just for,
1: every league has somebody like that. It but, does
2: but,
0: absolutely. See, where I like it more than you is is that I do think that a lot of these are peripheral moves. But I think that that was, if you go back to two years ago and say what was the Mariners' problem in many ways, as you've said, they have these, these transcendent guys. I mean, I'm not have,
2: saying they shouldn't have shaken things up. I'm just saying I like the idea of shaking it up, but that doesn't mean that, they're, that they got that much better. I don't, I don't think they did.
0: What I like about it is, is, and we'll see if it works out, but what I like it is it is that I feel like now every team really wants to have nowadays eight or nine starting pitchers when you start the season – because you know you're going to have injuries. You know you're going to need them. And I feel now a lot of these guys are low ceiling, but I feel like they have eight or nine guys now. I didn't, I didn't feel like they did a year or two ago. I know you disagree on that.
2: I, yeah, I mean, like, I just don't, I don't think that. Think of all the. It's not all- that different. The guys who are different, they've added outsider Gallardo, but that was for swapping out. Think, Walker,
1: think of all the home runs that Jared Dyson's going to take off of Dylan Overton's That's stat right. line. That's right. It's
2: Just Dylan Overton. I didn't even think he was even part of this conversation. <laughs> <Dylan> I mean, <laughs> Overton, Mac Posey, but like the, the, so. do more
0: from inside the
2: organization. Right. So I don't think Max Posey's getting in the big leagues this year. Do we I want?
1: Don't. I think we should move on. Yes, yeah. we should move Let's on. Do your best or worst offseason? Do you want to go half full or half
2: empty first? Let's go half empty. But I do think people. <laughs> I, I think people banged on the Blue Jays. A couple people banged on the Blue Jays. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And i think that, that there's some uh, when i read it i thought the critique was accurate this was a market where the power market was so uh defined as anybody want i hit home runs we'll hit home runs for food but they acted very early and they're pretty weak in the outfield corners matt and they signed kenneth morales for 11 million dollars a year kenneth morales and his agents made a, the right move they made the right call Get ahead of this market. Let's sign up now while before people figure this out. So I still think the Blue Jays are contenders in the American Leagues, but again, oh, yeah. American League East. But, but again, they have the they, they got to thread that needle, and I don't love their outfield and their no, power right now. No, I
1: mean to me, Marcus Stroman is the reason why I'm optimistic about the Blue Jays. I think he's a huge breakout yes, candidate. Good call. Him. No, great call. Him and, <laughs> him and Aaron Sanchez. I think that's a legit one too. Uh, in terms of most disappointing, the Blue Jays came up. I went with the Pirates. Here, here's, Pirates. Where, here's where we can expand on this. Yeah, Because to me, they, they, they were pretty rudderless. They, they could have traded McCutcheon to improve their 2017 team, but at the same time, they made no actual... They, they signed Daniel Hudson and some minor league free agent types.
0: <laughs> they are a team that, for right or wrong, I do feel like they're very much a team... That they're all about expanding the, the window of competitiveness much more than ever going all in on a year. Right. The there, Pirates fans, I can understand Pirates fans being very upset with that because the reality is, is, it has not paid off with one real successful playoff run yet. They've been around it a lot, which, let's be honest, if you're a Pirates fan for the 20 years before that, sounds really good. Yeah. But
2: not good enough. But right now. There,
0: it is something where it's every year, it's like, okay, how do we expand this for another few years? instead of it ever being, no, this is the year we're pointing to. And we'll see how that works out. But I agree with you that they didn't. No, they're, they're very much, they didn't do anything to make this year a big year. They did everything to kind of like, even the moves like, hey, we're going to try to get out from under this contract with right. Liriano. Yeah. It's all about, can we expand it longer? We, right. Can there, we just keep it going?
2: Their are two best players. are you sliced? it, two of their three most talented players are on the way out. McCutcheon and Garrett Cole are not long-term Pittsburgh Pirates. That is the reality. So whether they win, so so what they've tried to do, instead of like, we're going to win, it's like we would just argue with the Mariners. The Mariners like, we're going to win while we have Cruz, Mm -hmm. Felix, and Cano. The pirates have taken the opposite tack, which is we're going to try to stretch this out. We're not going to go all in while we have McCutcheon and Cole under contract. Those guys are going to be gone, one way or the other. Out from Pittsburgh, they are not long-term pirates, so it's weird that to me it's like a little incongruous that you would say you're agreeing with what the pirates are doing and with what the Mariners are doing because they're in kind of a similar situation. No, but I think, as I, I see it, but
0: the thing to me is is that with the Mariners, when you talk about that, there those moves are all peripheral moves that. Have done, they've not traded. I, Mike Montgomery may be the so only why one. Should
2: but, they have made the, why shouldn't the Pirates have made the similar peripheral moves? They did not make any peripheral moves. That's Matt's whole they point. Think,
0: they think the peripheral moves are coming from a, a still very good farm system. That is the difference. With, with a lot is, of Major League ready They guys. have a good yeah. farm system with Major League ready guys, whereas the Mariners had a terrible farm system. And so you, you, you take different approaches. They broke up, again, last year, Tyone, Glasnow, Cool Brault. Four rookie starting pitchers. They, and again, when you look at them now, they're still most of those guys right. are going to be relied on this year. Josh Bell came up last year. I agree with you. He is brutal defensively at first, but he can hit. And they're He like, can hit. And they're like, okay, you said about McCutcheon and Cole. The thing about this is that you look at them now and say, if this Pirates team is going to be successful, it's going to be more about Polanco and Marte being the stars of 2016, 17, 18, 19,
2: sure. and
1: beyond. They and they have that possibility. I
2: don't think they have the upside that McCutcheon sh- has shown. I don't think those guys' best will be as good as Cutch's best was. A
1: polarizing team, the Pirates.
2: Yeah, they are. For me, for me, I'm I'm more on your side. I think they're, I, I, you know, I think you have to strike a little bit more with an iron top like that. And you to don't be have to fair, use that- prospects to win in the big leagues by calling them up. They could have packaged some of those prospects. I mean, Chris Sale was out there, and he's very cost controllable. Why would they not get in on Chris Sale? How much different would you view the Pirates if they traded for Chris Sale instead of the Red Sox trading for Chris with, Sale? With Austin Meadows in the corner Yeah, I mean, McCutcheon. if you want big league-ready prospects. Would, but they wouldn't
0: have Austin Meadows. They would, if you're going to do a package to get Chris Sale for the Pirates. No, Austin
1: Meadows would be playing for the Pirates. No, I'm saying he'd be part of the trade. I'm
2: saying, well. No, Mc, no
1: McCutcheon for Sale. I, mean, were, I was the, thinking it was more the White prospects. Sox the White Sox wouldn't do McCutcheon. Yeah, it, so. I was thinking
2: it would be more Pirates prospects yeah. for Chris Sale or for for any of those kind of pitchers or other other team stars that were available. I, I don't see why they wouldn't have been. You can be aggressive when you have a farm system that's that, that, that that's like theirs. That's deep like theirs. I, I understand why they're, depending on their guys, but last year you said the same thing for the Astros. It did not work out. They still have a great farm system, but they didn't make moves, and that wasn't the only reason they didn't make it to the postseason, but their giant sucking hole at first base was a big reason. Absolutely. And maybe if they picked up James Loney instead of playing the first baseman that they did play, that might have been the difference for them. Something as simple as a perfectly capable big league first baseman. So. That I, I feel like the Pirates are kind of repeating the mistake that the Astros made.
0: I, I'm, a, I'm a dispassionate guy in many ways, and it is, it's like for me, it is like I'm it doesn't always work out, but and I agree that I follow what you're saying. I to me, if you have no farm system, I don't mind you trading the Angels from a few years ago when they made that one right. place where it's like
2: whatever you want, okay, or the Marlins, as you've very well argued, I think, Matt. Like, if you have no prospects, if your prospects are garbage, trade them for anything you can get. I totally <laughs> agree. Their prospects aren't garbage. They could have gotten stars for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And your disappointing team, John.
2: I don't even remember, but I, oh, I said the Tigers. Um, you know, I just feel like they're caught in between. I understand they're mitigating circumstances. Obviously, that's what I wrote about was the loss of Mike Gillich. I do. I love their patch on their uniforms, the Mister Eye patch for Mike Gillich. Um, the more you read about Mike Gillich, and which we I've read about him more since he since he di- since he died than I ever had before. Uh, yeah, to, before he was almost like a a caricature of a Little Caesars pizza owner and you a know, rich guy who owned two teams. Um, but it seems like he was a decent guy who was a, a, a benevolent and good owner. I also like the fact of an owner who poured the money he had into trying to win. Mm-hmm. That motivation is gone in Detroit. So I just feel like they're caught in between a little bit. It feels like if Illich had been healthy and fully engaged, they would have made one more push this offseason. Because they were close last year to winning that division or making the postseason. They were mm-hmm. in into until the last weekend for a wild card spot.
1: When the Braves whooped them.
2: That's right. But when you have a bounce-back season like they got out of Justin Verlander, when you still have the best hitter on the planet for yeah. me and Miguel Cabrera, not the best player, but the best pure hitter, and you still have other key pieces, I, I thought they needed to add to that. And they really had a very inert offseason. Yeah. So that- that's why they were my choice. No, I-, I
0: agree with them. That the- I-, I agree with that, that I don't see them – Contending, but at the same time they haven't done a teardown. The one I picked for kind of the same way is, is that's worse, but yeah. the, had a I don't know team. where the A's are right now. Like, And I say that from the standpoint of – They're in Oakland, but that's not a good place to be. But but They're this team the has not been good. Yeah. I mean, they haven't been in the middle. They've been just above the dregs for the last couple of years. Really, They were
1: pretty dregsy last year. They made the playoffs in 30- 2014. 14, yeah. No, no.
0: But I'm saying the last two years, this is a team – Since they started to try to be bad – Dude, but they, they haven't even... They've been bad, but they haven't been the worst. But the thing about it is, is and I know I do like the trade. I do like that they... What they did with Rich Hill last year was brilliant. Yeah. I think that that was brilliant. That brilliant. Worked out, that, that will pay off for them for years to come. But I look at this... I I look at them and say, this is the team who is trying...
2: I, I kind of feel like they're trying to win 80. and yeah, they've, they've, they've succeeded in winning 68 and 69 in the last two years. But, What's amazing is to me is that... They don't seem to have a plan. They didn't recognize what they had in 2014. They totally misread their own big league roster. They have been horrible offensively since they made the so they traded Cespedes in 2014. I wrote this uh, in the handbook. In 2014, they were first in the league in scoring before they traded Cespedes. They wound up that year second or third in the American League. Then they were ninth in 2015, and they were dead last last year. There's also this ridiculous revisionist history going on on this on the interwebs, especially on Twitter, when Brett Lawrie was released, and it's like, well, that is another indictment of the trade the A's made, the, the the Donaldson trade. But there's this revision of like, hey, Kendall Graveman's been pretty good. There's still a chance for Sean Nolan and Franklin Buretto's in the top hundred. Big. Effing deal. You traded Josh Donaldson with four years of control. Look at the deals that were made this offseason for players with control. The A's misread their own roster, and they made one of the worst trades ever. Just, just... A joke. That's a 60-grade rant. That's a, maybe, That's a m- maybe more. That's a 70. That's <laughs> why I
0: called the last one a it's 50, because be- that was a it's 70. It's just such BS. the Real fireworks are coming next. Yes.
2: Why are people going out of their way to defend the A's on this? I just don't get it. What is this no, no, they, What is this spell they, they have over people?
0: There's no defense to the Josh it's Donaldson trade. There's none. none. There's none. There's none. There's none. Also, this, the they, John
2: Lund, the Addison Russell, trading Addison Russell with the Cubs. What was that trade? I was Addison for, I, I Russell forgot.
0: for Jeff Samarja and Jason. The Hamlet. Samarja trade. And Billy McKinney. By oh way. my
2: God! I mean, like, how do you give up Addison Russell? What? Who are? Who is this guy? I mean, that, I, only you, Billy Bean could make trades like that and keep his job. Who but, else keeps their job?
0: You, you, Sorry. you
2: can't. You can't.
0: Revi- that'd be like revision. It's like the aftershock. But <laughs> Andrew Miller has turned out to be really good. So hey, that Miguel Cabrera trade was good. Yeah, for exactly.
2: Exactly. That's what it's like. It's it's just <laughs> it, it's just so. You have to know your own talent to, to be again, to win. The it's, thing
0: about it is, is when they traded Donaldson at the time, it everybody was, was like, "What the hell?" And that, that's what what I'm saying though is, is when I look at this team right now, who is like, if you, what is the scenario that you map out with the A's right now that gets them to competitive? And by competitive, I mean wild card contention. What, what it you, has to
2: come from pitching um, because they have loaded up on some pitching. They do have some interesting pitching, whether it's Jerrell Cotton or Sean Maniah, Daniel Meng. they have a lot of pitching. Hoping that Sonny that Gray comes back from. And that's the big problem is that they're kind of building around that, and that's a very volatile commodity. And Sh- Sonny Gray's already been shut down for the rest of spring training, so and, the, that, and hurts, that hurts. That hurts his that, trade that, value, that, and that hurts their big league team. Right? So they're the and, one team in that division that there's. They're not competitive this year.
0: But you look at it and you say, you look at that lineup and you say, okay. Again, a team that had Josh Tomlinson. nowadays. Who do you? I mean, Stephen Vogt. Stephen Vogt is that Marcus your,
2: Simeon? Is that Chris your, Davis at his 290 on base? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And their big offseason move was Rajay Davis. Well, who, who? What's going on here? Or Trevor uh, Plouffe? Yeah, I mean, like seriously, what is going on but, here? But again, like the argument I, you can I, make I like on that is, is,
0: but what I'm saying is, is and I is that better? Is that better than basically? Instead of going out and getting Rajah Davis and Trevor Plouffe, which admittedly are not big ticket acquisitions, correct.
2: But those are the kind of moves the Pirates should be making. I'm but,
0: sure. <laughs> but is that better than being what the Phillies or the Braves or the Astros or the Cubs like? That's aren't you better just saying, you know what? Instead of, we know that Trevor Plouffe will not be part of the next. Your your hope when you do that is is you're holding on to Trevor Plouffe for. Two months. Yeah. And you're hoping that there's enough there. that, But, but the is tip Trevor to, Ploof going to have trade value? The
2: tip-off to the rip-off is that the fact that they don't really have a plan. That they're in this middle ground is that they gave up Dylan Overton. If they really tried to the tank and had kept Dylan Overton with his 12 home runs and 24 innings last year, I mean, epic. I'd love to see that guy over 150 innings. I mean, like, it would be a, a wonderful strat experiment to see what would happen. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I agree with you, JJ. They're kind of stuck in the middle. I mean, I do like I, by, by middle.
1: You're not going to make me defend them, are you? No, but
2: by, by, <laughs> by middle, by middle, again, I again. They're I think like, they are stuck win at like 7-5. the 8th to 12th. They're like at the 8th to 12th pick in the draft range. I think they could win 75. Yeah, maybe. But winning 75 to 80
0: doesn't I, – I am – I am. I know that there are fans out there who go, no, you should try
2: every year. If the Twins are winning 75 games with a big step forward from Barrios and Sano and Buxton, you're excited. But if these guys are doing it with a nice year from Roger Davis and Trevor Plouffe and Chris Davis with his K-H-R-I-S and Marcus Simeon –
1: the, the K is I'm for strikeout. Ex-
2: I'm not. Yeah, I'm nicely done. I'm just not as excited, so I, I, I don't see the A's plan. So, but okay. Defend the A's. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, how do we now, wrap up? Now
1: we're going half full. Best off seasons. We, we probably should go a little more quick, quickly on this one, but
2: best off season. JJ, I'm gonna let you answer J- first.
1: JJ and I had the same pick, and I know John disagrees. So who did, who did you guys pick? We both picked the Astros.
2: Oh, oh yeah. no, I don't think they had a terrible. Off oh, season I think they, like I think that.
0: they. I to, to me the Astros. They did exactly what you like. You said what they did last year that didn't work out was we are depending on homegrown. We're gonna Home a, we're gonna count on that. We're gonna have a first baseman between AJ Reed and Jonathan Singleton, and that did not work out. We're gonna have an outfield, and their outfield every single guy in their outfits, who some of whom had played very well the year before. You had the Colby Jacks. And yeah. You had Carlos Gomez. You know, and every one of those guys took a big step back. And so what they said is this year is no, we are. We're rebuilding the outfield. George Springer, you get to stick around. Everyone else, you're either in a much smaller role yeah. or you're gone.
2: I like what they did position player-wise. What's not to like? Carlos Beltran is a DH with some occasional outfield time. Brian Hughes, I thought a very big upgrade behind the plate. And Brian McCann from yes. a leadership standpoint. No wow. one will have fun in Houston this year, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Love that trade. Um, Josh Reddick is a free agent signing. That was a smart move, smart mm-hmm. pickup. I they, just I, They're incongruous to me, mm-hmm. Matt. They don't have a lot of power arms in their rotation in a power no. era.
1: No, they don't. But I... Also Nori Aoki. Yes. I mean, they, they clearly went for more contact and left-handed bats, which was a deficiency on last year's team.
2: So, again, but, recognizing what you have and addressing it. But
1: John's point about pitching, the starting rotation could be a problem. That's it, my if only If McCullers can't stay healthy, if McHugh is not the Are 2015. Are you telling
0: me that someone who throws 60% curveballs when <laughs> it is the most power curveball of any power curveball, that that may be difficult to do <laughs> over 200 innings?
1: However... I, I do expect to see Francis Martes by June. Martes
2: and Paulino are keys for them, in my opinion, of them Martis achieving Martes is
1: the top pitching prospect who's healthy mm-hmm. in right? baseball. I think they're going to trade some prospect surplus for a starting pitcher, Jose Quintana, somebody like that. Yeah. So I think I think there is lots of upside in the rotation, despite not being a, an October caliber staff right now.
0: And I, and I do think Joe Musgrove, you know, my – Joe Musgrove fandom, I think, that Musgrove he could, loves. I think that he could be, you know, again, when you talk about power arm, he's a guy who could, you know, 93, 94 mile-on-hour fastball with exquisite command for his age, all that. I do think their bullpen's deep. And the other thing is is that they have depth from the standpoint of if they have injuries, you know, like, because they went out and acquired guys, like, you look at their outfit and you say, okay, let's say that Nori Aoki wakes up and goes, you know what, I'm old. And so he's, well, then you've got Teoscar Hernandez. It might got, be
2: hard for him to play without the band behind him or the, the fans cheering and uh, the it, it, Indiana Jones theme song they were doing for him. But it's pretty it, awesome. It is WBC it, fever, man. It's you got to catch it's, it. It's I awesome. see that. Every
0: you know, every every different Japanese player has his own chant, and they do it every time he comes the, up. The thing wow, is, that's that's awesome. the
2: Astros do have a lot of Plan Bs, JJ. Pretty much at every spot.
0: Yeah, right. He, you there is not a player on this team. Carlos Correa is great, Carlos, but if Carlos Correa suffered a season-ending injury tomorrow in the WBC. Paris the thought. Don't say that. <laughs> but Alex Bregman slides over. And then you say, okay, so what's our third baseman going to be? He's... Well, you know what? Uleski Gurriel is going to play third. Okay, wait. Or, or J.D. Davis. Or, you Colin know, Moran. Or Colin Moran. <laughs> okay, you've Or got Tyler a, White. You've or got Marvin a pro- Gonzalez. You've got a problem at second. Hey, by the way, Alex Bregman or Uleski Gurriel can play there. Okay, in the outfield. Oh, I would love to
2: see them play Uleski Gurriel at 33 at second base. So would the rest of the American League mm-hmm. West. It ain't happening, JJ. The thing is, guys, yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. you hit on the two guys. You hit Murphy was twenty-three, not thirty-three. Exactly. You hit on the two guys that can't lose. Altuve and Correa. As good as Bregman mm-hmm. is, those guys are different cats. Right. And uh, I, I think Bregman can be a different cat too. Mm-hmm. That's why I like this team. And but they, if you lose one it, of those two guys in the middle, the, the, the they're, they're negatively
0: affected. If George Springer, if George Springer, you're asking him to be probably your fifth best player in your lineup. Because if Brian McCann is who we, you know, Brian McCann's I'll not probably not
2: lower
1: because on the they only get the left-handed Springer, batters yeah. up higher. But but I mean, that is you're but,
2: asking him to be their third best player. Bregman's awesome. Springer is too. Springer should be better this year than Bregman. He has some. He, he hasn't. This will be the first year where we see what Bregman does over a full course of a season. I believe in Alex Bregman. I've always been too light on him. But George Springer is pretty stinking good. But that's one.
0: Yeah. In. So I do think. I think that this is a team that and again the AL West for all that it could be very competitive every other team in the AL West with probably the exception of the Rangers who I can't see completely collapsing but the Angels could easily be a 70 win team it's not it does not take too many steps to go uh-oh. I mean if the
2: Angel if Mike Trout gets hurt for the first time in his career if he misses a month with a knee injury how many games do the Angels win 59 60 seriously <laughs> If he's a five-win player one year and not a ten-win player, how bad are the Angels?
0: I would say they're five wins worse.
2: All of it, all of it, comes, a little bit worse than yeah. that. Everything collapses for them. They they don't. That's a team that has no plan B. They have one plan. They're, they're, they, again, I thought they, they had a good off season, though, Matt.
1: Yeah, you picked them for best off season. Could you care to elaborate? I, I think they
2: had a great off season because they didn't have much to work with, and in the past, their way to try to address things has been 125 million dollar contract for Josh Hamilton. By the way. We did have one last good tweet about first-year contracts. Mark Davis. That's like the all-time. That league. is. Mark, I was there. Mark, I
0: covered Mark Davis and his 7 ERA in the Braves. Mark Davis
2: uh, got the Cy Young Award for the Padres in 1989 with 44 saves and a 185 ERA. And the next year for the, the big money Royals, he had a 511 ERA and 6 saves. Sorry, I wasn't so, there.
0: I shouldn't say. I wasn't there for that. I was there for, Jonathan, for John Sherholtz trying to do a reclamation project yeah. with Mark Davis in the next year in Atlanta. But
2: the thing is, most of the time in recent years, the Angels have made giant moves, splashy moves, mm-hmm. and they haven't worked out. And this year, you know, they made, I thought, rational moves. You know, Jared Weaver is a guy who gave a lot to that franchise, signed a lower contract, and was a great player for them for a the long time. But they were able to part ways with him in a uh, rational and dispassionate manner. Um, they made moves, on the again, on the periphery, they didn't give up a lot to get Danny Espinosa. They mm-hmm. signed Luis Valbueno, who's a good uh, depth piece for their roster. They didn't blow up what they had. Traded
1: for Cameron Mabin.
2: Yeah, I, Cam Mabin for Victor Alcantara. That was a huge two, win Two them.
1: huge trades. They improved their run prevention by quite a bit. So
2: their pitching depth is was not easy to improve. It still feels like they actually improved, but you know, just picking up Jesse Chavez as a... Extra guy. Instead of having to put in a, a Rasmus, a Corey Rasmus, who's only a reliever and stretching him out, Jesse Savez is that perfect kind of sixth starter kind of guy. So they're still banking on hey, if Alex Meyer is good, and if Andrew Haney and Nick Tropiano can help us in the second half, and if Garrett Richards stays healthy. There's too many ifs. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they, they help the margin of their roster without really giving up much. I thought it was a smart offseason for them, and it's a good sign for the future for Billy Epler as their GM.
1: Yeah, I'm also pro-Angels because Epler was pretty much a secret weapon for the Yankees for many years Yeah, and pro scouting.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think the Yankees' pro scouting had always been pretty solid. And we'll see. You know, Houston Street talking about dead cat bounce. bounce. I don't know if you guys saw this story where basically he had an in-home gym that he built like four or five years ago. He just stopped using it. He, when his father, James Street, died, he took over the family business in the offseason and just like basically stopped working out. <laughs> so that didn't work for Houston Street last year. So I think I think you'll have one more good year out of Houston um, uh, uh, with, the, with the caveat that I'm hopelessly biased for Houston Street, <laughs> despite his politics.
1: Do you guys want to do some lightning round, like MVP, rookie of the year picks? or I, th- I think we all picked Ed or Ben Attendee. And Dansby Swanson is our rookies of the year.
2: And we all picked Benintendi over Swanson for a better year this year. I think we're all all in on Andrew Ben Benintendi in the bat. I understand why the Red Sox would hit him third. That makes sense. In terms of MVP, is that exciting? It's just so hard to not pick. Yeah. I mean, in, in this decade, I think you're always going to pick Trout and Harper, aren't you, JJ? So I mean, I, like, I,
0: I figure if I do that every year, I'll be especially if, if I you I don't do my pick Trout,
2: Harper, pick, pick Bryant. If you don't pick Harper, but if I if I pick Mike Trout
0: every year, I'll generally be right. I agree. It may be boring, I, but I'll generally do I chose
2: up.
1: Carlos Correa and Corey Seager. Young shortstops rule today.
2: You didn't want to be You didn't want to be the same. I don't blame you for that. I think that makes sense. Matt, we should make you do the ad read. No. I, I, I'm all over
1: it. <laughs> all right. I'm all over
0: it. But before we do the Cy Young, um, I you said Corey Kluber in the AL. I said Aaron Sanchez. Matt, you said Chris Sale. Also. I, like,
2: I like the Aaron Sanchez pick. And I'll also say that um, I've seen people write about Corey Kluber's insane postseason workload. And I wish I'd thought about that more before I picked it. I really picked him more from the I would like for this guy to win another one because he's so good. He's but, awesome. And even after the World Series, I still think he's underrated.
0: And speaking yeah. of, you picked Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner to be the NL Cy Young winner. So did one, I. And so did you. I picked Noah Syndergaard. I think you know, I I want to see Noah Syndergaard at some point this year. It's like okay, now he's throwing a hundred mile an hour slider, mm-hmm. which would you know, but he's uh, a freak. He is a freak. He is a freak. <laughs> But we do thank you for the download. We uh, thank you for listening to this Baseball America podcast. And our Baseball America podcast are brought to you by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out www.baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona, with more to come. I think I'll be seeing one at the uh, new SunTrust Park before long in Atlanta. Pretty cool. Uh, Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to not only save 20% off, but also you're supporting the Baseball America podcast, and we thank you for doing that. For John Manuel and Matt Eddy, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.